In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear Faithful, on this fifth Sunday after Pentecost, Dom Garanger would have us understand that sins against fraternal charity are to be guarded against most zealously. In contrasting our Catholic faith with its legitimate precursor, the Old Covenant, between God and the Hebrew people. The Jews looked upon the law of God as the constitution, the Magna Carta of their nation. But as such, it was put under the protection of the civil power, various tribunals with more or less of executive authority, according to the importance of the cases that had been respectively brought for them, brought before them. There would pass sentences on the infractions committed or on crimes perpetrated. But with the single exception of the sacred tribunal established under the law of grace, wherein God himself acts and speaks in the person of the priest, every judgment passed by men, however imposing their authority, can only deal with exterior facts. So that Moses, in the legislative code he had drawn up, assigned no penalty for interior sins, sins of the heart. These, however grievous they may be, are essentially beyond both the appreciation and the recognition of society and the human powers which govern it. They remain hidden in our hearts. Even now, under the new law, the church does not inflict her censures, that is, her temporal exterior penalties on interior faults, unless they be made manifest by something perceptible to the senses, just as Moses had done, who, while acknowledging the guilt of criminal thoughts or desires, yet left to God's judgment what he alone can know. But while nowadays, hopefully, most Catholics who call themselves practicing know that a wicked thought or desire is unlawful, it was not so with the greater part of the Jews in the Old Covenant. The prophets were ever striving to get this nation to raise its thoughts above this present life. Even supposing that there was much to be gained, there still remained the narrow-minded notion that beyond the divinely inspired principles of its political constitution and the outward form of its legislation, there was nothing worthy of their attention. They would have rejected the idea that there was a spiritual reality of far greater and deeper importance underlying the external code. We see all, these, all this strongly marked by what took place shortly after the return from the Babylonian captivity. The last prophets had disappeared, and the free scope was given to doctrinal systems which fostered short-sighted theories. The Jewish casuists drew up their famous formula that all moral goodness was guaranteed to him who had received circumcision. St. Paul later on told them how such a principle was a stumbling block to the Gentiles, leading them even to blaspheme the name of God. According to the moral theology of these doctors, conscience meant only what the tribunal of public justice issued as its decisions. The obligations of the interior tribunal of a man's conscience were to be restricted to the rules followed by the criminal courts. But the result of such teaching soon showed itself. 
The only thing people need care for was what was seen by men. If the fault were one that, that human eyes could not, could not judge of, you were not to trouble about it. The gospel is filled with the woes uttered by our Lord against these blind gods who taught the souls they professed to direct how best to smother law and justice and charity under the outward cover of the letter. Our Lord never lost an opportunity of denouncing and castigating and holding up to execration those hypocrites of the scribes and Pharisees who took such pains to be ever cleaning the outside of the dish, but within were full of impurity and murder and robbery. The divine word who had come down from heaven to sanctify men in truth, to sanctify them in himself, had to make this his first care, to restore what time had tarnished, to restore all the original brightness of the unchanging principles of justice and right, which rest in him as in their center. No sooner had he called disciples around him and chosen twelve out of their number as apostles, that he began with all possible solemnity this divine work of moral restoration. The passage from the Sermon on the Mount with which the church has selected for the gospel of this fifth Sunday after Pentecost follows immediately after his declaring that he had come not to find fault with or destroy the law, but to restore it to its true meaning, of which the scribes had deprived him. He had come that he might give it all the fullness which the very contemporaries of Moses were too hard-hearted to take in. In the few lines put before us today by the church, our Lord tells us not to make human tribunals the standard of the justice needed for our entering the kingdom of heaven. The Jewish law brought a man who was guilty of murder before the criminal court of judgment, and he, the master and author of the law, declared our Lord declares to us that anger, anger which is the first step leading to murder, even if it remain in the deepest recesses of the conscience, may bring death to the soul. Sins against charity can thus really incur in the spiritual order the capital punishment which human tribunals reserve to actual murder. If, without going so far as to strike the offender, our anger should vent itself in insulting language, such as by terms like, you worthless wretch, or similar, the, the Syriacrum Raka is the example used by our Lord today, the sin becomes so serious that weighed in the balance of its real guilt as known by God, it would be a case not of the ordinary criminal jurisdiction, but of the highest counsel of the nation. If the angry man passes from insulting to injurious language, there is no human tribunal which, be it as severe as it can be in its verdict, can give us an idea of the enormity of this sin. But the authority of the sovereign judge, God, is not like that of a human magistrate, confined within certain limits. When fraternal charity is outraged, there is an avenger who will demand justice beyond the grave. So such is the importance of holy charity, 
which God demands should unite all men together. And so directly opposed to God's design is the sin which in whatever degree endangers or troubles the union of the living stones of the temple. All of us, which, which has to be built up in concord and charity here below, to the glory of the Holy Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen.